everybody. You're listening to Take the Movie and Run. This is the podcast where we are working our way through Woody Allen's filmography, one film at a time. My name is Curry, and I am joined here by... Caroline. Caroline, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So, um, this is our, our second episode of the podcast, so I will just elaborate a bit on the concept... Um, in this podcast, Caroline and myself are watching all of the films that Woody Allen has directed. I think that's uh, our list ended up at 47. Yeah, that's too many. We're going through them one at a time. Every episode, we will discuss the film we watched. And at the end of each episode, we, we randomly draw what the next film is that we're going to see. Yeah, it's it's an interesting experiment into how long... I can maintain before I lose my mind. This is kind of a, um, um, this is kind of a Dharma initiative test yeah. from from the show Lost. The important thing is nobody else is doing this. We're the only we're the only podcast de- dedicated to Woody Allen. Yeah, which means it just must be a terrible idea. Nobody's done it yet, but we're doing it. Damn it. Carolyn, before we get into this episode's movie. Um, now that we're two movies in, how are you feeling about this this project? Um, I'm feeling pretty terrible. I'm hoping that they get better. Um, and if our listeners can look at the length of time between our first podcast and our second podcast, um, I have started another podcast uh, that's just about how long I can avoid my husband when he asks me to watch this Woody Allen movie. Um, which I think I made it a couple weeks of just casually acting like I didn't hear you. Caroline's new podcast, Hiding from Hubby, Hiding is, from Hubby. Is, is climbing the iTunes chart. So go check it out. Yeah. Subscribe. Link below. She's looking for sponsors for Hiding from Hubby. It's, okay, well, let's let's talk hard. about that. So, again, before we jump into the movie, um, it has been, for our loyal listeners, this is our second podcast. It has been several weeks, at least, since our pilot but we, you know, we did our pilot, our run through, saw how things went. L- you know, listened to. Um, um, we had to get a new fridge. Our whole so, fridge was too loud. So one thing we noticed upon playback was that um, our, our, the fridge in our studio space, our, um, our 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 studio apartment, so to speak, um, had a very noticeable buzz uh, on the track, and then it turns out that that was because it was dying. It died. We lost a lot of good peas in there. A lot of good frozen peas. Um, a lot of Trader Joe's veggies we did so have to, to toss out. So that was one thing. That ho- so hopefully hopefully there won't be that annoying buzz in this podcast. Uh, what else happened in the time while we refined the show? Um, Just life. Life was happening. And we also did – we also got um, some viewer feedback oh, we from, viewer from, feedback. Our, from our pilot podcast. And um, – so I, I, a few things happened. So we, we literally in the in the days after we recorded and, and released that first podcast where we were talking about the Woody Allen uh, his latest film, what is it called? Cafe Society. Yeah. I was on um, I was on Reddit. I was looking at posts on their movie, the the just the the, the movie subreddit, mm-hmm. and somebody posted. It was a question for discussion, and the question was. Um, Something like, can you separate art from the artist, or is there anybody oh. who, who, you know, um, how do how do you differentiate between um, a, a person, their persona, 
and what they create. And so I went into the comments knowing that I was going to, someone eventually is going to bring up Woody Allen. Yeah. And of course someone did. And then that, and then someone followed that up by uh, referring to Roman Polanski. Hmm. And these are two uh, Hollywood filmmakers, renowned filmmakers, and two characters who always get dragged into these conversations. I mean, I, I shouldn't say like they're unfairly dragged in. I mean, they're, by the way that they've lived uh, their lives, they Woody are, Allen of course. Yes, and, and Roman Polanski, of but course. I feel like Roman Polanski hasn't directed 42 films about Roman Polanski. Woody Allen directed 42 films about Woody Allen. Listen, uh, Polanski... Um, so this is okay. I want to be really careful how I disc, how I um, talk about this because people feel very strongly about this. Um, that the same um, Polanski and Allen get brought up a lot by um, especially kind of con, uh, people who are culturally on the right as an example of um, the hypocrisy of self righteous liberals um, who who celebrate these. Um, artists, these directors who are who are, in Polanski's case, a sex criminal. Uh, in Allen's case, has the has been accused and has this his persona. Um, days, so okay, so I, I see this on on Reddit, and then like a day later, Vice published an article that was about um, some thing that 4chan did, some troll thing, and then right at the beginning of the article. Um, there's this line from this is called um, "How Four Chains Worst Trolls Pulled Off the Heist of the Century" by Mac Lamaru. It's kind of a cool name. Um, right at the beginning of the article, Mac writes, "That said, sometimes bad people do impressive things. We can at times appreciate the work while despising the people." Cough, cough. Woody Allen. Cough, cough. So again, this is just kind of another synchronicity, this, this reference coming up out of the internet ether. And then we get an email from a listener um, that was very um, – that was overall complimentary about the podcast, especially Caroline. The listener basically said Caroline was the best thing about the podcast. It may or may not have been my mother. We don't know. May or may not. Well, we do know. Anyway, it was an email from a listener. Uh, again, praising Caroline sounds great. Uh, but then said, but why are you doing what, what, why are you doing the podcast on Woody Allen? He's a pervert. This is disgusting. So this is something that is not I, that I knew was going to be unavoidable doing this this um, podcast. And part of it is because even if you didn't know, first of all, there's a whole mythos around Woody Allen and um, his wife, um, which a lot of that has been embellished. Again, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to. Um, um, defend or argue for argue the case for Woody Allen, but there is this this cultural mythos um, that has developed around him. But even without that, this is an unavoidable discussion. Just because of, like you said, um, he makes movies that are he he's putting his his psyche on the screen. So you mm-hmm. said like Roman Polanski doesn't make forty two movies about himself, but Woody Allen arguably has. Right. And one of his motifs, one of his okay, along with the the Dixieland jazz, yeah. And the the title cards, uh, one of his and the New York intellectual. All right, as intrinsic to Allen's filmography as the New York or the Nebish character are. 
so is the middle-aged man who's attracted to an in a, uh, a, a culturally yeah. like inappropriate right. woman yeah exactly which is just too much this is and this is an um this is something I thought was going to come up in our pilot episode um, because there's a, there's a moment in Cafe Society where um, Steve Carell and Jesse Eisenberg are both in love with Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Have you forgotten this movie entirely already? Uh, no, it's still in there. I don't think I can shake it. There's a point where they're talking and Steve Carell, and I think at this point they don't, they haven't realized that the woman they're talking about is the same woman that they're in love with. Steve Carell says, "What am I doing? I'm old enough to be her grandfather or father." And Jesse Eisenberg says, "Well, if, what does that matter? If you're in love, age doesn't mean anything." So, and, and there's just that one moment in that in that film. Um, what are your thoughts on? First of all, what are your thoughts on separating? Um, Art from the artist. Do, have you enjoyed art or something that somebody who you think is not a great person? Yeah. I mean, most certainly. There are a ton of people I dislike. But I think, you know, I can still like their artwork. I think the issue that I have with this, which I've already said, is it's is just like what you said is Woody Allen's artwork is like it's like his subconscious and i just i it's always this disjointed weird you know he's trying to explain life but like i don't think that he really knows what's going on and it's almost like you know when when you tell a lie to somebody and then you're like oh snap I did that. And then you have to go to somebody else and be like, no, I did it because of this reason. And it's almost like you have to reinforce this this thing to make it true in your head. That's what I think his movies are. I think it's just if he puts this information out there and people love him for it, it's just reinforcing like, oh, that he's a good person. I don't think he's a good person. I also don't know him. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm judging him not knowing him. It's a little difficult. I just want to watch the movies. And it, you know, just so happens that there's always some old guy <laughs> acting like Woody Allen falling in love with the young person. And there are, or, or it's Woody Allen himself. And there are, um, so as we'll see when we get to some of the, I mean, we have a long way to go yet yeah. in the Woody Allen filmography. There are times where that becomes such an issue in the film that it takes me, it pushes me away from the film itself. Um, there's also, and I don't want to talk about them until we get to those films. There are films where I think, especially when you look at in the context of wh- what was going on in his personal and public life when the film came out, that he absolutely, I believe, is com- is saying this is this is his his statement on sure th- uh, th- th- this part of his of his life. Um, I think at the the I think I think he's a weird creep. I do too, but I also That's just a, don't like think his art is good. So if you're trying to ask me to separate, uh, you know, him from his art, I also just don't like his art. So and it has nothing to do with me hating him. I hate these movies. And that's fine. Okay. And again, I have seen all of them already, and I'm choosing to watch them again. Caroline's new to the vast majority of these, so we'll see how it goes. So the last thing I want to say is the reason why I wanted to do the Woody Allen filmography is watch all his movies for a podcast is – Part of what's fascinating, good or bad, about his art is the fact that I don't know of a comparable 
example of someone who's made this many films, basically a film a year for the last 30 plus years. And um, so that alone is, is interesting. Um, just the, the, the volume, all right, the output, mm-hmm. how, how prodigious he is as a creator. But also, the, I believe that you can take these, and this is also why we're doing it at random, is that I think within this filmography you have really great films and then not total – and then bad movies. Probably, maybe not the worst ever. Just like I don't think his best films are the best ever. But the, the spread of – quality i think that is also interesting sure sometimes i write great diary entries and sometimes my diary entries are terrible it's pretty much what we have to watch all right um let's go ahead and get into the 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 film for this week um i would say stars kent brana but it's a uh, it's an ensemble cast um, I would say uh, Kenneth Branagh and Judy Davis would be the, the primary stars, but it's, it's a huge cast. Caroline, uh, did you like Celebrity? I thought it was terrible. It made me – there was – I hated it. And I was hated really, it. I was really excited. Oh, we're doing this again. He's finally caught me and made me sit down and watch this movie. Maybe I will like this, but it really – it was not good, and I, I like Kenneth Branagh, but it's like he. It, the, another thing I don't like is that the main actors, if Woody Allen's not in the movie, they have to act like Woody Allen. I had that issue with the last movie too. Can we just have them act like them or act like a normal person? I mean, there's one point where he's trying to ask this woman out to a drink, and it's like uh, the uh, and then this beautiful woman is like, sure, that would never happen. That would never happen. Okay, so let's 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 start. Let's go ahead and start there because I will say that um, a celebrity is um, is a real stinker. I will, okay, well, again, hold on to your hats. We got some more Woody Allen movies to go through. This is not. This is um, this is this is in my ranking toward the bottom of his filmography in terms of quality. I think it's it's not good. Um, watching it again this second time for the podcast, I liked it less than I remembered. And a lot of what I liked about it the first time I watched it was Kenneth Branagh's performance. Kenneth Branagh is playing the Woody Allen character, and one of the um, there's many one of the chief critical complaints about the film was that why is Kenneth Branagh, who we know is a great actor, who's great, not doing a performance? Instead, he's doing an impersonation of yeah, Woody Allen. Exactly. Okay, so whoever wrote that, it's great because but, it's exactly my problem. But I that's one of the th- and that still is one of the things that I like about this movie. Um, because another thing to keep in mind is that if you look at interviews with Woody Allen, he's not, he's not the, the nebbishy neurotic character. That is, that itself is a persona he developed through his stand-up comedy and through his films. So I think that you're right that his films are very personal, but I think it's wrong to say that that is him, his personality rather than a character. So I think Kenneth Branagh, he absolutely is doing... He's playing that the Woody Allen nebbish neurotic character, and I I love. It's ridiculous, but I think it's great because he, I think Kenneth Branagh is a, a, a great actor. To me, it's fascinating what, to watch him. He is doing a Woody Allen impression. Yeah, and but he does a good job. I, 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 I mean, don't know. he does a good job, but it's also just such an off-putting character. 
And it, it, to me, it's, it, it disassociates. Like, you're supposed to believe that this man is, you know, going through this part of his life and he has multiple women interested in him, which would never happen. It just, like, in this character that he's playing. And it's just like this weird comedy of life that is... I don't know. So if this if this character that Woody Allen does is a character of you know a character of himself, then he also does that with life. But then people always praise his movies for oh it's so much like real life. It's just like the craziness of real life. But it's it's not. They're not. It's like this weird dreamscape life where all these crazy things happen. And but it's just, I just think it's I just think it's lame. It's so, um, I'll think of the word. Come back to me. Okay. Uh, just because you did, you wanted to praise the critics. Uh, the, Roger Ebert in his review said, Brana has all the Alan vocal mannerisms and the body language of comic uncertainty. He does Alan so carefully indeed that you wonder why Alan didn't just play the character himself. And, um, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, Brana, whether by his choice or his directors, plays Lee like a woody impressionist down to the nervous gestures and the stuttering whine. I do hate the stuttering. I think like the stuttering and the stammering is like really, really drives me crazy. Uh, Todd McCarthy of Variety, Brana is simply embarrassing as he flails, stammers, and gesticulates in a manner that suggests a direct imitation of Alan himself. Which I can only imagine his direction, you know, like was Woody Allen just be like, you know, just be me, just do me. So at the time this movie is coming out, it's 98. Um, it's been two decades since Annie Hall. So even if that, I can see that as, as being a result, not only of Woody Allen having given that direction, but just the fact that he has through his films at this point created this persona. Um, But how many times can you do... I get. I mean, you got Mr. Bean. He's been around for a long time. But how many times can you really do that before you, you're just diluting it into this, this Kenneth Branagh character? Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times can you play this character, this stammering, nebbish character, before it, it's just like, okay, we get it. I, I, you know, movie prices are going up, and if I have to take my husband to another $11.50 movie where I watch the same movie. Hey, how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? I, I still have yet, I don't know what you're talking about, I've yet to get sick of the of the, the nebbish Woody Allen character. And again, I, watching Branna is one of the things I really enjoy about this movie. Let's start here, though. What, give us the plot, and it's, you don't have to give us the whole plot, but what is, I mean, Give it your, what is celebrity about? I don't even know. It's about this guy who's with somebody and then wants to be with somebody else, but then is just like going through life. I don't even know. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't have a very... It doesn't um, have a really strong plot. And as much as there is a plot, you have this couple played by Kenneth Branagh and then Judy Davis, um, who Judy Davis, I think, is a great actress. I first encountered her in... Um, uh, David Cronenberg's adaptation of Naked Lunch um, that she is awesome in. And so I, I always – that's what I always – that's where my mind always goes to. I always associate her, her with Naked Lunch. She plays Kenneth Branagh's now ex-wife 
and she has her neuroses turned up all, all the way too. To the max. To like a crazy yeah. amount. She is at a hundred percent. But her character I like. What do you like about her character? I don't know. Maybe I don't know because she's also super neurotic. Because but she hates the the she's the antithesis or she's the antagonist to the to the Woody maybe, Allen character. Maybe, but I I don't know. I find her even though her neuroses is done in a comedic way, I find it to be a more like real take on. On a neur- like Woody Allen is like I'm neur- somebody's like oh I'm a neurotic like you know when people get really mad when uh, now this nerd nerd culture is really big when they're like oh those girls wear glasses and they say I'm such a nerd and they just want to like totally be like you're not a nerd tell me what Star Trek episode this was on I kind of feel like somebody goes oh I am so neurotic and then you're like no I'm really neurotic and it was like somebody's comic take a comedic take of the Oh, I'm neurotic. And then somebody's actual community take on like an, an actual neurosis. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of a quality of the whole movie. Uh, and we'll get to this at the end, but it's almost like the, um, it's, this may be a point in Woody Allen's career where even his films are mimicking Woody Allen. Right. Films. Oh, yes, exactly. Without being a real movie on its own. Right. Cause there's a point there's at a certain point, this is not, some, here's and again, we're going to get to our whole judgment of celebrity. Something that people sometimes say in defense of Woody Allen, especially his later output. So, like, let's say starting around this time, right? Starting in the the nineties, um, they've said that um, just because he's made such great movies that we have high expectations and we know he can do better, so we're really p- critics are and people are really harsh on his later movies. Whereas, if you took, let's say. Celebrity or or another uh, of his films, and it was a different director that people would say would be more generous, which might be true. Yeah. But even at, um, I think that would only be true for if the movie, if it was a first time director. Like there's a there's such a yeah, uh, almost student film quality to some of his later films. Right. That it's like okay, maybe Woody Allen we is. That it that absolutely does um, um, temper or prefigure some of your reaction to it, but like celebrity is like a NYU student film with a great cast. Yeah, it, I can see that. I would like to see Woody Allen uh, do a movie and like maybe not put his name on it and see if I like it, but I'd still have that stupid jazz and I would know right away it's Woody Allen because I don't like the jazz, but. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, what if yeah, I yeah. watched? What if I watched one of these movies? It's impossible because I'm sure any movie that doesn't have Woody Allen and it has this Woody Allen character, either through some other poor unfortunate actor. But I would love to see a movie. Like, why doesn't he just put a movie out there? He's like, I wrote this movie and it's great, and then not not put his name on it because that's not he's not making movies to make art anymore. I think he's making movies cuz he's Woody Allen and he makes a movie a year. And that's why his movies have been stinkers. Uh, well, and I think this is that's also why he gets financed. This is why he's able to make a movie a year. Yeah. It's because uh, uh people like just, you are going to go see it. Yes, sure. not just here but in the international markets. In fact, there's a great gag in a um um at the end of another movie, Woody Allen movie. I'll say I want to save the stuff till we get to each one. Um Without the Woody Allen name on it, it doesn't sell. Right. I mean, exactly. 
All right, middle-aged couple. They get divorced. They're in New York City. Um, Kenneth Branagh plays Lee, who's a like a journalist, but he's also working. I think he tried to write a novel and couldn't, but then has written a he's, screenplay. Yeah, he's working on something. And and he, he interviews celebrities. He's going on dates with models and actresses. His wife ends up. Um, doing different things to try to cope with you know what comes next after this divorce and ends up dating Joe Montaigne. Who I love. Who is he's great. Who I love. And in this and he's like a producer of like a Jerry um Springer esque Yeah, some sort of like nineties. Very nineties. Uh, Jenny Jones, I think, type setup. So let's talk about the setting of this movie. Um, one thing I was thinking about watching this was this is this is a uh, 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 three years before nine eleven. This okay. comes out, yeah, which is interesting just to see what is in the cultural zeitgeist, and then also in I, I love seeing um, New York City in different decades, and because when I was younger, a lot of like formative media for me and getting an idea about what New York City was like was coming out in the nineties. So that's very interesting for me. You know, mm-hmm. Seinfeld, yeah, right. movies that were coming out at the time. Um, so that's very interesting, too. But then also the actors that show up throughout this movie. Yeah, very 90s. Um, and also some people who were going to get very big very soon. J.K. Simmons shows up. Yeah, Charlize Theron, who is just a bombshell. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> she looks amazing. Yeah, the best part about this, this movie was looking at Charlize Theron. She was so cute. She looks amazing. Um, Winona Ryder. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, baby Leo. Baby Leo. So young. So cute. But so Leo already. Okay, Celebrity came out in 98. Titanic came out in 97. So he's already a huge star. I know, but when did they, they film this in 90? They filmed this after Titanic or before Titanic? I don't know. Because I would, I would be interested in that. But if you look, so here I have the poster and it has, there's... Images of nine people who are in the movie. It's a big cast. Leonardo DiCaprio's in the middle. Yeah, because he's and a I, total babe. Boss. I remember when this movie came out that they really built the marketing campaign around Leonardo. Which is probably DiCaprio. smart. I mean, my friend had a legitimate shrine that had candles and everything. I think Leonardo this was the DiCaprio. peak of his, of that era. This is like when did Romeo and Juliet come out? I don't know. That's got to be like ninety six, ninety seven. But uh, how much of the how much of the um, how much screen time do you think Leo gets in this movie? Uh, I would say eight and a half minutes. It's a little... You're, you're off by a minute and a half. Really? He, he has a little over ten minutes. Yeah, ten great minutes. Um, all right, Titanic was 97, Celebrity in 98, and then The Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, also great. After I that. that movie, too. Well, you know what's a great movie is The Beach. Also all right, good. Romeo and Juliet is 96. Yeah, nine, I did love that Romeo and Juliet. I mean, that literally, my teacher would be like, you got to read Shakespeare. And I'd be like, awesome. Because Shakespeare wrote Romeo and Juliet and this that Leo movie I love. Okay. These are just some of the... Middle school. I was in middle school. They still had like those Teen Beat magazines and stuff. Yeah. I had Tiger Beat. Yeah. Um, I I may or may not have cut a couple Leo photos out and put them in my diary. I was like really in love with him. I don't doubt it. And I'm not letting that, everybody, um, cloud my judgment of this movie. So Leo's great. I'm just going to well, – let's talk about Leo some more. I'm just going to give some of the other actors who show up in this movie because the movie itself is pretty scattershot. It really is a series of vignettes. There's not much of a um, – there's a – there's okay. So Winona Ryder's in it. 
at the beginning, Kenneth Branagh sees her and is kind of like, oh, you're the waitress at whatever, whatever. And then there's she shows up throughout the film, and then he she kind of becomes the obsession for the yeah, Kenneth Branagh Yeah, and 90s character. Winona Ryder. That's where it's at, too. Yeah. She's such Beautiful. a 90s babe. Yeah. Like, she just is so... She's such the it girl of that. Watching this movie, I was like, what? Wow, this is great. And then Leo DiCaprio's playing, what, like a heightened version of himself? I think Leonardo DiCaprio's playing Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, maybe they he they just... This Titanic movie there's, just there's, came yeah, out. Yeah, there's no He's script. He's just doing, you know, drugs in a hotel room, which, you know, please. It's basically, it is Pussy Posse era. Love it. Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. just on It screen. just brought him in for one day and said, do your thing. And he did it. And it was great. Um, and then they built the whole marketing campaign around him. Melanie right. Griffith, uh, Famke Johnson. Oh, who I also love, Famke Johnson. Joe Mantegna, Charlize Theron, um, Hank Azaria. Is Isaac Mizrahi? I don't remember Isaac Mizrahi. I don't either. Deborah Messing, Allison Janney. And those are the names I recognize. Sorry, everybody else. You did great. You were in a Woody. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Go down to the bottom. That's a Ian Summerholder. Yeah. As, as unconfirmed. As, that's how. That's who is how, Ian Summerholder? He was on um, the Vampire Diaries on W. Oh, it's Boone from Lost. Or Boone from Lost. I didn't watch Lost. Um, all right. Ian Summerholder. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed, not bad. Oh, and of course, I have to mention this too. There's a there's a there's a cafe scene at the end of the movie. Uh, okay, we'll get into this. Um, Judy Davis's character now is in TV. She's walking around interviewing all the socialites and all the the fa- rich and ah, famous yeah. of New York. And she's talking to someone who's a senator. And she's like, "Oh, and senator, what about these corruption charges? Oh, I'm sure everything will be fine. I'm not worried about that." And this is happening the week, like the Michael Flynn hearings were happening in Congress and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh boy, that's that's kind of you know that's on my mind. She then walks over to the next table and goes, oh, and look, it's Donald Trump, it's young Donald Trump. And there's Trump, the New York socialite. Um, great. Uh, oh, so that was unexpected. That's yeah. again taking us back to this a, a different era, a different a different place in yeah, time. A home alone, Donald Trump. Yeah, this is the. Um, uh, shortly, this is a few years after his role in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Yeah. The film's in black and white. The cinematographer was was going blind at the time. This later served as the basis for Hollywood ending, which you'll get to see someday, hmm. where Woody Allen plays a director who suddenly loses his eyesight. Oh, boy. All right, so the other thing is this title, Celebrity, right? Um like we mentioned that Joe Mantegna's character is working for this sensational daytime TV talk show, very 90s, right? Jerry Springer, Jenny Jones, Ricky Lake. Lake, Love them all. Donahue, I think is this era. Um, Geraldo? Maybe. Montel? Montel, absolutely. So there's this thing, there's, there's, celebrity is kind of a thesis statement for the movie, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. But there's a lot of references and jokes about um, plastic surgery. Like there's a scene – like the whole thing is very 90s like culture um, awareness – cultural awareness about like shallowness and phoniness yeah, and, and media. Bad. I love it. So there's a whole scene that takes place in a plastic surgeon's office. Um. But there's there's these little things too. So early on in the movie, Judy Davis has gone to a, a Catholic retreat 
to, as she deals with, as she copes with this divorce from Kenneth Branagh. And there's a quick scene where a, there's a priest there, and the priest has like a radio program or something because he's famous. And it shows all these people gathering around the priest and, and ask, oh, Father, you know, whatever, blah, blah. And, um, oh, he has a TV show, so people know him from TV. And um, one, of the, one of the people around him says, who do you think is more famous, Elvis or the Pope? And then someone else asked, um, you know, when the Beatles said that they were more popular than Jesus, do you think that's true? So this scene is in there just to be part of this thesis statement or this theme of celebrity. And then also, you know, you have the fact that Kenneth Branagh is hanging out with celebrities. You have the whole Leonardo DiCaprio escapade, right? The fact that you have all these, these movie stars and models um, usually, so the, 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 the movies, I think a great term for this movie is half-baked. Oh, yeah. Okay. A, a character who reads one of the Kenneth Branagh's characters, um, his first novel in the, in the movie, he describes it as half-baked. This feel, this is absolutely, these are ideas, these are parts of a movie, but I don't think they go anywhere. Typically, a movie storyline has an arc and characters develop. I have no idea what happens to these characters or why. I also don't really become attached to any of these characters. Like, I don't care. I mean, I just really kind of don't care about them. And maybe because they're... I already hate Kenneth Branagh because he's Woody Allen. And it's just driving me crazy. But even, like, I feel like you don't really get enough about them to care. Like, I care about Charlize Theron because she's really hot. And I just want to see her succeed and do well. But, you know what I mean? None of the other characters, I'm like... Okay, they're together, and that makes me feel good. Um, you know. Well, what is relatable or likable about any of these characters? We don't see any of them do anything for anyone else, with maybe the exception of Joe Mantegna, who seems oh, yeah. like a oh, nice no. guy. I do, but I do like Joe Mantegna's character. But when he gets left, so he gets left at the altar, you guys. By Judy Davis. By Judy Davis. But I was so unaffected by that. Like in an, I mean. If I cared at all, I would be like, oh, that's, oh, I'm so sorry, Joe Mantegna. Go marry my mom. She would love to marry you. But instead, I was just like, eh, that stinks. Welcome to New York. But there is, I mean, there is for, I mean, maybe for, uh, uh, you know, a certain variety of Manhattanite, you know, Alan has often been accused, Woody Allen, I call him Alan. I call him Al. It's best friends. W A Al, you know uh, uh, Woody. I call him Woody. Woody's been accused of of, of really of um, being out of touch with most of you know mainstream America, Middle America, which of course is true. Middle America has nothing to do with they, they don't yeah. want anything of what he's selling. That's fine. Um, this movie in particular, though, I think that um, so I think in his best work, his films break through and are able to penetrate the kind of. Um, um, Manhattanite intellectual socialite yeah. aura by addressing uh, facets of the human experience. This movie does not do that. No. So yeah, who I don't know who is likable or who is even relatable in this in this movie. Judy Davis's arc is she has she's neurotic. Kenneth Branagh breaks up with her. She has this kind of midlife crisis, I guess. She meets Joe Mantegna. 
and he gives her a job at his talk show as a booker, meaning she books guests. She kind of makes a mess of that, but he loves her anyway. But it's an adorable mess. It's like a... It's a... It's it's just like a... She's super adorable. It's one of the most um, madcap comic scenes, which is... And I got to tell you, it felt very forced. Plus, also, he's... They're making these jokes that I thought that by the, by 1998 these were already hack jokes. All right, this is this is like SNL Jay Leno monologue fodder that just it's not smart. So there's a scene where Judy Davis is behind the scenes and she has accidentally scheduled all these people for the same show. So you have like Klansmen oh, yeah. and neo Nazis showing up with also like world's fattest babies and. Like, Um, what a mess. Drama queens. And they all think, and it's, oh, look at all these. And they're all in the green room. I mean, that is funny to have the the rabbi in the green room with the neo-Nazi sharing snacks or whatever. Um, Which is probably also, you know, part of this commentary that the film's making on the nature of celebrity. She so, But she ends up at the end uh, becoming a TV personality. That's her arc. She was an English teacher. She becomes a celebrity. She becomes an on-camera person, and this is also very 90s, who has a live TV show in a New York restaurant just talking to the people who are there. Yeah, which is great. Like, was that even, was that a real conceit in the 90s? But I would have watched it, I'm sure. If I was home from school, I would have been like, okay, first I got to watch Ricky Lake. And then that, that show comes on in the restaurant. I'll watch that too. Look... Anything else about this movie? Do you have anything else? When when we we started watching and we we take notes so that we can refer to them when we do the podcast. And Caroline, as the movie began, she drew a picture of a. I guess it's a Woody Allen character. Um, it, it, like merged with a cat. It could be a cat. It also kind of looks like a carnival mask. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it says my movies are terrible. Uh, nervous giggle. I'll try to put that up on the website. <laughs> that should be the. I just, okay. I just, I wrote uh, a lot of the same thing over and over again, which is why are you making Kenneth Branagh do this? This is making me really upset. Um, because I feel like it, if he wasn't doing that, I, I don't know. So it would have been more real. Um, but I also, it was so disjointed and it just made me think like, you know, Woody Allen is always trying to almost like demonize this everyday life, you know, like, oh, if you're with one person for your whole life, you are so messed up. Like, you know, everybody's neurotic and we break up and you get with other people and then you leave Joe Montana at the altar because you're neurotic and crazy and that's real life. But it's like not like everybody. Yeah. Everybody's neurotic and everybody's crazy and everybody has their, their baggage. But Woody Allen takes it to such a level that it's like, okay, Woody Allen doesn't understand what real life is like. That's the problem. This is what Woody Allen thinks life is like. And it just seems, it just... Or it is, sorry, it seems like what? It just is, I don't know, it just bothers me. Like he wants so badly to belong in this life that he creates but I think he does. See, that's what I was going to say. I think he has created. I think that is his life. I think for. I think he. Well, that's I think, just unfortunate. I think that is what he knows. Well, he that probably, is how he lives. You know, at this point in his life, I'm sure he has surrounded himself 
with these people that are like, oh, you're great. Make another movie. Put Donald Trump in it. But you know what I mean? It's just something. Ooh, he should do another. He should team up with Donald yeah. Trump again. Oh, you definitely would get the. You definitely would get the people in the theaters. Um, it just is like such a accentuated version of life that it is so ridiculous. And maybe that's just what life is like in Manhattan. And I don't realize that because I live in Pittsburgh. Okay, I will. Um... But it's not it's not bad for a movie to no to I, be heightened. I don't think it is bad, but it's bad to me. If anybody else would have done it, it would have been like all oh, this cuckoo crazy New York living. It's just like the way Woody Allen presents it in all of his movies, where there are all these people and they're all crazy and they're like getting into stuff. It's just like it's so. It, I, I, when I meet a character in any of his movies. I'm, I have seen some in the past, but in these last few movies, as soon as I meet a character, I think, what what dumb, weird way are they going to be connected to another character? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. which way is he going to force a relationship that doesn't work? This, I think this is similar to how I feel about Wes Anderson movies now. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, ugh, I don't care. And I'll take, at least in Woody Allen, people, ugh, whatever. That's another podcast. At least I, I connect with the people in a Woody Allen movie more. See, than I don't. I oh, don't at all. God. I just think, God, it's so, like he's a, on. He's living on the moon. Okay, you did remind me though. I, this is something that I didn't bring up on our on the pilot podcast about Cafe Society. So it opened at uh, Cannes or Cannes, the French film festival, Cannes, twenty sixteen, and the master of ceremonies caused drew gasps when he said. Uh, to Woody Allen, it's very nice that you've been shooting so many movies in Europe, even if you're not being convicted for rape in the U.S., which is a Polanski jab, but then I think he also says some other stuff about Woody Allen's weirdness, because he does live in this weird... He lives in a a terrarium that he has made for himself in a little glass bottle, and he goes and he lives in there, and everybody around him is like, Woody Allen, you are so great, and his artwork suffers from it. From from the point of view though of how, of what we live life in terms of our ego, I kind of respect that that he lives in a terrarium that he has so created his own reality to suit himself, and that he does what he wants to do and how he wants to spend how he's been spending his life and how he wants to spend the rest of his time on on Earth is just making movies. Well, good, but they're not good. Uh, That's the final. You can make them. Everybody can make art. You just do your thing. Let your freak flag fly. But I don't have to like them. And I don't have to say that there are these great masters of world cinema because I don't think they are. You don't. No, you're you're exactly right. Okay. Did we come up with a rating system last time? We need to have like how many many Woody's... No, nah, that sounds terrible. Um, yeah, that does. What is... What is taken out of context. What is something... What's like a Woody Allen themed... Um, how many jazz notes do you give this That's Woody That's perfect. Allen? All right. All right. How many... Out of how many? I gave it. I give it... No, no. Out of how many? How many total? Oh. Should we do five or ten? Uh, let's just... Let's let's do five. All right. Out of, out of five um, uh, clarinet jazz notes. I gave it one toot. One toot. One toot. Uh, this is this is a great rating system I just came up with on the fly. I'm going to give it, out of five, I give this two toots. 
Okay, two toots. Um, in reading, can I can I read? I found this really great review okay. from Tina this in is, Texas, and, and we, I really want to read and it. And we have yet to come up with a name for, um, we'll call it Celebrity Gossip for this uh, podcast. But um, so, so we like to bring in a couple of user reviews from IMDb um, that you can sort on IMDb by hated it or loved it. And so since Caroline is usually on the anti- Woody film side, and I'm typically pro. This whole insane experiment was my idea. Um, she'll she picks uh, a positive review of the film that we're talking about, and I'll read a negative one. So, what is tell us about the review that you have for today? Okay, so I found my review on Amazon. It's five stars um, from Tina in Texas, and she started it off by saying, "Sir Kenneth Brana!" Exclamation points. Wow, I forgot he's <laughs> from Ireland. What a terrific performance. And then she goes on to say, this is the best Woody Allen performance by a female lead, and it goes to Judy, which doesn't make any sense, but that's what she said. Um, so anyway, she keeps going, but what really got me, um, she does talk about Leonardo DiCaprio and his youth. You get to remember pretty Leonardo, is what mm. she writes. Um, but the end of her review is what really got me. Um, I like the story. It's a grown-up movie for grown-ups. It is better than anything playing right now in the big cinemas, except for Lincoln and Argo. <laughs> so this woman thinks Woody Allen, you know, Sir Kenneth Branagh's Woody Allen is great, but she also loves the movie Lincoln and loves the movie Argo. Loves them. If you had the choice to, to watch this again or Argo again, which would you choose? I would watch Argo again. I don't know. I would maybe watch Celebrity. I mean, that movie was also super unrealistic, and it was based on a real It's based thing. on a true story. <laughs> um, but, I mean, whatever. But, no, we have to say that Ben Affleck's a great director now. Ugh. Didn't he win an award for Argo? He didn't win the director. He won Best Picture, so he got to go get his producer's award. That should be a movie strictly about uh, Alan Arkin and John Goodman making the fake movie Argo. It'd be funny, blah, blah, blah. It'd be, that's the movie I want to see. Instead of the overdone, heightened tension, yes, there were people hiding in the Canadian embassy or whatever in Iran, but you watch it and you know it's all played up. Um, it, it didn't need to be. We give it three toots. Woody Allen films can be disasters, but at least... Uh, I, I was going to say they should at least be interesting disasters. This, I don't know if it's even that interesting really of a disaster. Isn't. It was just a nice... Um, uh, you know, a nice memory of the 90s. Which, that's something that I, and I said this on our pilot podcast, I do just get a Pavlovian um, response to a Woody Allen film that just make it just satisfies some receptors, fires some neuroreceptors in my brain and just gives me, it gives me a fix. And I just go, ah. We gotta get you on some medicine. Oh, I know. I gotta get medicated. Uh, this is my review I want to share from someone who hated it on IMDb. Uh, the title is Debility, and the author is Le Platypus from Paris. And so it might explain some of the, the broken English. All right. Well, one of my last one rating was another Alan movie, so he really collects mine. Ooh, I like this guy. Here he oh. offers a dull movie with no plot. It's just a collage of meetings and totally drowned under streams of babbles. By chance, Alan is to movies what men magazines are to publishing. 
As he got money, he can always cast sexy actress. For this one, he chose a young Charlize, and it was good to see again Miss Onatop. Uh, Famke Johnson, who played uh, Xenia Onatop in Goldeneye. Okay. Oh, I, I did love her in Goldeneye. <laughs> I did love her. They're both beautiful women. Uh, the, okay, end of debility review. Beyond making a movie about movie stars is as pointless and void as the concept of celebrities. It's the same thing when TV makes shows about TV. It's cultural cannibalism or artistic myopia. My opinion is that artists and celebrities are two different breeds. The first bring emotion and inspiration through art. The former had just their poor and material life to offer the audience. One delivers a message... The other runs after money. Ooh, this is a very good review. Let's make the difference and skip this movie, for example. Exclamation point. The platypus, I agree with you. It's true. Woody Allen isn't making art. He's making money. Um, okay. Okay, one toot. We gave uh, you gave one toot. I one gave two, two, two toots. toots. All right, uh, this is the time now. At the uh, end of each podcast, we will randomly select what the next Woody film, Woody you Allen pick movie. Because I've been picking terrible ones. I want you to pick. Okay, I'll pick it. All right, so this is we've got him in a bag here. Caroline, would you please draw? I've shook him up, but please, come on, get a good one, please, please. All right, what is the next film we'll be watching? Uh, on the next podcast of Hiding from Hubby, we will he will be tracking me down, trying to get me to watch Mighty Aphrodite. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. See you guys in eight weeks. <laughs> we we should not watch this, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it. We, we got to get to a good one we gotta get to a good eventually. One. We're um, going to get all the bad ones out. I just want everybody listening to know... That Curry's reaction is is very somber at the moment that we have to watch this movie. I really thought I was like, please say the purple rose of Cairo. Please say the purple rose of Cairo. Nope. Mighty Aphrodite. See you guys later. Great, great. Looking forward to it. All right. Yay. Well, Caroline, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for bearing with me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Uh, for next podcast, watch Mighty Aphrodite, and we will see you back here next time on Take the Movie and Run. Bye.